Hello everyone. Good morning to you. I don't know if you all know this or not, but there is a difference between men and women. And if you don't believe me, go clothes shopping together. Oh man, I hate clothes shopping. I usually just have my wife pick stuff up. If it doesn't fit, I'm sure she's going to be back shopping again soon. She'll take it back. Now, school clothes shopping. Oh, you know, I didn't mind taking my son because he doesn't try stuff on either. But my girls, dear Lord, they would like try everything on. And they would look at something for like 40 minutes before they would actually pick it up and take it into the dressing room. And then there'd be like another 20 minutes in the dressing room. Then they'd come out. They'd be like, how does it look? And I'd be like, it's too tight. It's too revealing. It's too expensive. Change. Well, here's the thing that I wanted them to know. And here's what I want you to know this morning. This is our big idea for the day. How we clothe ourselves often determines how we conduct ourselves. I'm going to repeat that. How we clothe ourselves often determines how we conduct ourselves. Do you that nine different times in the New Testament, clothing is a metaphor for the kind of character that Christ's followers should be developing? The Bible talks about what we should put on. The Bible talks about what we should take off, that we need to get rid of things that hinder us. And we need to replace them with things that allow us to grow and to be more Christ-like, that we need to change. Now, don't hear this in a legalistic way, because being a Christian isn't about what you do. It's about what Christ did. But when we open our hearts to Jesus, we change. We change. We start to see things differently. Man, we start to feel things differently. So naturally, we're going to start to do things differently. Change is a byproduct of our choice. It just happens. You know, before Caleb was our worship leader, we had a gentleman named Derek in that position. Some of you may remember Derek. Yes. Now, Derek was an avid weightlifter. He even competed in some bodybuilding contests. I mean, he would play guitar and his muscles would be about ready to like rip through his shirt. I mean, it's very similar to when I play guitar up here. But you know, Derek told me a story one time that when he was younger, he was a little... um, See, what's the politically correct term? He was a little husky. He was a little husky when he was younger. And he was afraid to even take his shirt off at the swimming pool. And then he said he started lifting weights in high school. And he started eating healthy. And his body started to change. So, because of his choices, change was taking place. I mean, it's the same way with our pastor, Chris Bunch. I mean, in high school... He was skinny. I mean, he was scrawny. I mean, he was like a dweeby little dude. And now, that's kind of a bad example there, isn't it? But you guys understand what I'm saying. Certain choices 
bring certain changes. If you lift weights every day, you're going to grow. If you give your life to Christ, if you read your Bible, if you spend time in prayer, if you go to church, you're going to grow. You're going to evolve. You're going to transform. You see, Jesus takes us as we are and makes us what we ought to be, how he desires us to be, how he desires us to live. Now, Jesus says in John 10 verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So how many of you feel like that you're living life abundantly? Now, abundant life is not to be confused with an abundance of things in life because Jesus isn't talking about possessions. He's not talking about prestige. He's not talking about position that you're in or power. The abundant life is more meaningful. It's more lasting than material wealth or prosperity. You see, this verse comes from a sermon Jesus is teaching about being the good shepherd. And in it, he proclaims to be the Messiah, the way to salvation. So how is it that we can accept Christ, which seals our salvation, it guarantees us eternal life, but yet we can fail to live an abundant life? A life that Wikipedia defines as abounding in fullness of joy. And the answer is, how we clothe ourselves often determines how we conduct ourselves. So in this message today that I've titled, Are You Living Abundantly? I want to talk about something that a lot of us, including myself often struggle with. And it's something that holds a lot of us back. It keeps a lot of us down. And I'm talking about anxiety. You see, anxiety in a nutshell is worry and fear. So we're going to go to the Bible where we're going to see that God actually has a lot to say about anxiety. And I'm going to give you three ways today that anxiety robs us of an abundant life. We're going to look at how we can change what the Bible says we need to take off, what the Bible says we need to put on in order to clothe ourselves in a way that enables us to live as Jesus calls each one of us to live. So three ways anxiety robs us of an abundant life. And the first is this. Anxiety chains us to our thoughts. Anxiety chains us to our thoughts. There were two hunters. They were out hunting and they came upon what appeared at first sight was an abandoned barn or an abandoned farm. This barn on there was sagging. This house was in disrepair. There were junk cars. 
car parts lying around. I mean, the only thing that even made it look like a working farm were a few chickens pecking away and a goat wandering around. Well, as they entered the yard, they came across an old well. And one of the hunters looked at the other and he said, I wonder how deep it is. And the other replied, we'll have to drop something down and we'll listen for the splash. So they look around for something to drop down in this well, but the only thing close by was an old transmission. So they both grabbed it and they lugged it over. They hauled it to the well and they dropped it in and they counted and they waited a long time for the splash. It was deep, all right. Well, they turned to leave and they saw the goat charging at him. Man, his head was down, his horns straight, headed straight for him. And at the last minute, they jumped aside and the goat went right past him, straight over the side and down into the well. And they both just looked at each other in amazement. And as they started to leave, the owner of the farm came up. And they chatted with him for a moment. And they even got permission to hunt on the guy's land. And then the farmer asked, either one of you see my goat? The one hunter said, your goat almost killed us, charging at us, all crazy. Should have had that goat tied up. Farmer said, I thought I had him tied to an old transmission. <laughs> Listen, you follow what you're chained to. You always follow what you're chained to, which is a reason why Jesus begins John 10 verse 10, the scripture verse of the day with a warning. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Listen, if you've accepted Christ, Satan, who's the thief, he knows he can't do anything about your salvation. But he can interfere with you having an abundant life. Man, he can steal your joy. He can kill your dreams. He can destroy your peace. See, that's why it's so important that we, that we change. And one of the ways we need to change is we need to change who we're listening to. You see, in, G in this teaching that Jesus did about being the good shepherd six times, I repeat, six times he mentions that the sheep hear his voice and they recognize his voice. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but sheep are utterly defenseless. They're totally dependent upon their shepherd without care Without constant supervision, sheep are prone to getting lost, getting hurt, and being attacked. So a shepherd guides, a shepherd leads, a shepherd protects his flock. So the flock learns very quickly to listen and recognize the voice of their shepherd. So in this sermon Jesus is teaching, this analogy, we are the sheep. He is our shepherd. And he says we need to listen to his voice, that that's the key to having abundant life. You see the other voices, they come to steal, they come to kill, and they come to destroy. Those are the voices that tell you you're not good enough. You're not a good enough student. 
You're never going to achieve what these other ones are doing. You're not a good enough mom. You're not a good enough husband. You're not pretty enough. You need to look like those Hollywood people. You need to look like the people in those magazines. You need to look a certain way. You need to act a certain way. You see, the voices of the world will make you question Christianity. Think about this. Satan didn't tempt Adam and Eve to murder, steal, or tell a lie. He tempted them to question the word of God. His tactics have not changed. The voices of the world, they will discourage you. They will make you feel guilty about things. They will make you tired. They make you want to give up. They keep you from moving forward because you're chained to your thoughts. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. You see, we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to recognize the voice of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And that comes from getting quiet, from having quiet time with God, from having regular prayer time, from praying and then being quiet and listening. It comes from spending time in His Word, reading the Bible, recognizing what He has to say and how to apply it to our lives. Now, Jesus says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So in just that one verse, Jesus tells us a way to change. That we need to take off worry. We need to take off fear. That we need to put on peace. You see, the way we clothe ourselves often determines how we conduct ourselves. So the first way anxiety robs us of an abundant life, it chains us to our thoughts. Here's number two. Anxiety gives us a false sense of control. Anxiety gives us a false sense of control. My son started bowling this year, really got into it heavy, and I'm betting that everyone in here has bowled before. But you know, I always find it funny what people do after they let go of the bowling ball. You ever notice that? Some people like talk to the ball. They're like, get over there. It's almost inspirational. It's like, come on, little guy, you can do it. Some people yell at it. They like threaten it. You get over there. Some people try to guide it, and they let go of it, and they, like, guide it. They contort their bodies a little bit. It's almost like a Jedi mind trick thing. Does any of that stuff work? Here's the secret to fun-filled bowling. Let it go. You just let it go. I mean, you do all the things that you can when it's in your hands... 
right? You get your footwork right. You get your knees bent appropriately. Give your butt a little shake. That's more for the people behind you, but you get your correct backswing, your perfect release point. But when you let it go, let it go. You realize that that ball is no longer in your control. And that's kind of how life is at times. You know, I read a survey. This is kind of surprising. I read a survey that was done that said 40% of our anxiety is focused on things that never happen. 40% of our anxiety is focused on things that never happen. So most of our worry and our stress and our fear are over things that never come to tuition. Isn't that crazy? You know, about eight years ago, I got this horrible pain in my side and in my abdominal area. Man, and it was like excruciating. The pain put me on the floor. I couldn't even move. And, and since I have access to Google, which makes me a doctor, I came to the obvious conclusion that I was dying. Probably had a good four months left. Well, I come to find out it was a kidney stone, a very large one that I was told, unless you're Chuck Norris, you're probably not going to pass it. And then they told me how they would go in in surgery and get it. <laughs> Suddenly, death didn't really seem like all that bad of an option. <laughs> but we all do that, right? We, we always jump to the worst conclusion, going to die. Gonna lose my job. Kids are gonna starve. You see, we waste so much of our precious time worrying and being fearful over things that never happen. Our dog, Kia, had a surgery a couple weeks ago. Now, we have two dogs, Kia and Izzy. And let me tell you something. They got their little Christmas sweaters on right there. These dogs are our babies. I mean, they go everywhere with us. Here's a picture of the girls and I on a bike ride. These dogs are spoiled. I need to set them down and make them watch one of those Sarah McLaughlin commercials just so they realize how good they've actually got it. But anyway, Kia, our Shih Tzu, she had surgery, and my wife Loretta and I, we were so worried that because she's 14, that she might not make it. And the anxiety was like becoming overwhelming. So the night before, we prayed together. We actually laid hands on her and prayed over her. Because I believe what's important to us is important to God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are to give it to God. 
We are to let it go. We're to take off the worry. We're called to put on the peace. We stop with the what ifs and we focus on the what is. So 40% of things we are anxious about never happen. The survey said 30% of our anxiety is about things that already happened. Something that's already taken place. Something that we can do nothing about. Things in the past that we can no longer change. Unless it's something that you need to confess or you need to ask forgiveness for. Let it go. Stop letting the past dictate your future. Luke 12 verse 25 says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Man, if you need help with something for moving forward, talk to a pastor, go to a counselor, see a doctor. Stop letting what people have done to you become greater than what God has done for you. And I'm going to repeat that. Stop letting what people have done to you become greater than what God has done for you. So 40% of things we have anxiety over never happen. 30% already happened. Not a math whiz, but that's 70%. The survey said 12% of our anxiety has to do with others, like what Chris talked about last week in the teaching. People gossiping about us or talking about us or lying about us. That's their problem, not ours. Let it go. Survey said 10% of our anxiety is about health issues, which ironically gets worse with stress. So now we're left with 8% of our anxiety being over real problems that we're going to face. So only 8% of the things we worry about are even worth worrying about. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him, talking about God, because he cares for you. You see, that word care actually comes from the Greek. It means to place upon. It indicates that the person who is hauling around a burden needs to actively take that burden and relocate it. We are to take it and give it to God. And you don't try to take it back. God doesn't like an Indian giver. It says that somewhere in there, I think. You see, true freedom from worry comes from releasing it to God. Letting it go. Whatever the situation, whatever the concern, you say, okay, God, I've done everything that I can do about this. It's like the bowling ball. I do what I have control over. I'm keeping good form. I'm having a good follow through. But when I let it go, I'm just going to pray that it's a strike. God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to cast my anxiety onto you. I'm taking it off. God, I'm changing because how I clothe myself often determines how I conduct myself. 
So anxiety changes to our thoughts. It gives us a false sense of control. And number three, anxiety keeps us from saying yes to God. Anxiety keeps us from saying yes to God. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. What if, what if they would have said no? I don't know, Jesus. Not sure I want to change careers at this point in my life. I mean, what if they would have missed this opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ, to witness firsthand the miracles? The healings, the raising of the dead. What if they would have missed out on seeing a resurrected Christ who did exactly what he told them he would do, be taken up into heaven and seated at the right hand of God? Man, what if the opportunity would have just passed them by? You see, when God calls us to do something, it's because he has something amazing in store for us. You see, anxiety, this fear, worry, it keeps us from walking through doors that God's opened up for us. And it keeps us banging on doors that God's already shut. We miss out. We miss out on amazing work opportunities because we're too fearful. To act on a prompting from God. We miss out on huge opportunities to serve God in ways that glorify Him because we worry what could happen or or what will people think. Or you think, well, I can't do that. I'm not capable of doing that. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You're capable of doing anything. Man, don't miss out on something that God's put in front of you, a calling or a challenge because you're too scared that you're going to fail. Heck, I've walked up to total strangers said things that I felt that God put on my heart. Have I been looked at weird? Sure. Have I been laughed at? Sure. But I tell you what, more times than not, the reaction is, it's funny you would say that. Because this is what's going on. This is what's happening in my life. You see, there's always a reason when God is prompting you or God is pushing you To do something. And sometimes it's not even what you think. Sometimes 
It's just a blessing that God is bestowing upon you. I was at the Orlando airport, my wife and I, some years back, and we were sitting in the terminal, and I had my headphones on. I was listening to some powerful worship music, man, and I was just feeling blessed at the time. And I started looking around for people, at people. I started people watching. And I started praying silently, saying, God, if there's anyone in here that you need me to speak to or that you need me to give money to, maybe somebody that's down on their luck right now, and maybe they're praying at that moment, God, will you do something? Say, God, if there's anybody like that, Point that person out to me and then just give me the courage because I'm a weak individual. God, give me the courage to go to them on your behalf. And then I just started looking. I just started looking around. I started waiting for a sign of some sort. I started waiting for some kind of a nudge. And then I see... Lou Holtz, the legendary college football coach that led Notre Dame to the 1988 National Championship, my favorite college football coach of all time, as well as a Christian author and a motivational speaker. And I turned to my wife, I'm like, that's Lou Holtz. And she's like, who? I said, I'm going to talk to him. It's funny, she said, she said, you leave that old man alone. <laughs> but I went for it. And not only did we chat, but I got a selfie with him. Oh, I had abundant life that day. And you know, the truth was, it was all because I was looking. I was looking, I was seeking for an opportunity to just say yes. To God, that's all I was doing. Man, don't let anxiety keep you from saying yes to God. Will things always be easy? Nope. Will things always go the way that you envision? No. Will God let you meet Lou Holtz? Probably not. But you're never going to experience the abundant life that God has planned for you if you don't say yes to God. Never. Friends, life's too short to be chained down by anxiety. Man, we need to change who we're listening to. We need to take off this worry and fear that consumes us and we need to put on peace and joy. We need to stop spending precious time being consumed with things that we have no control over. Let it go. And don't miss out on great moments. Don't miss out on great memories because you're afraid to say yes to God. I'm telling you, life, life is a blessing. 
Life is a blessing, and we are so fortunate. I mean, we are children of God. Man, we have the promise of eternal life. We're secure in our salvation. Our eternal home will be the kingdom of heaven. We have the Holy Spirit residing in us. We need to start living like it. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Smile. Give other people a reason to want what you have. Act like a child sometimes. Laughter is contagious. Truly have fun and enjoy the ride. Live like this little guy. You see, we have to clothe ourselves in a way that enables us to go where God is calling us to go, to do what God is calling us to do, so we can be all that God is calling us to be. And that, my friends, is how we live life abundantly. Let's stand for closing prayer. Let's bow our heads. Well, dear God, we, God, we thank you today for your words. We ask that you continue to, continue to change us, God. Show us what we need to take off. Show us what we need to put on so we can not only live lives full of peace and joy, but also so we can be used by you and for you. So keep shaping and molding us into people that more closely resemble your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we know that abundant life starts when we give our lives to your son, Jesus Christ. So God, if there's anyone here or anyone that's listening on the live stream that's never made that decision to accept Jesus into their lives, and God, you're calling them to do so. Maybe you're placing it upon their hearts to say yes today. Let them repeat this prayer after me. They can speak it out loud. They can speak it in their heart. We can all speak it together as Pastor Chris likes to do. But if you're ready to accept Christ or recommit your life to him, repeat after me. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask for forgiveness for the things I've done. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and was raised to bring me new life. I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to him from this day forward. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.